You're listening to Gather, a podcast by Fort Worth Locals about the people and businesses that make up our city. We're your host, Javier. And I'm Matthew. Today, we are speaking with Carrie Crow, owner of Melt Ice Creams, a local ice cream shop that believes treats can change your day and your day can change the world. Before launching Melt, Carrie was a full-time photographer. During her time as a wedding photographer, she realized she wanted to venture into a more collaborative industry. I really, um, I loved that industry, and um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. And I really felt um, kind of lonely. Um, you, I spent a lot of time in, in my, my apartment and in my office uh, alone, and I really missed working with the team. After moving from Arlington to Fort Worth, Carrie soon realized that she wanted to pursue her next career in the food industry. Once I discovered kind of the food scene, um, I didn't want to shoot any other stories. I wanted to be in the thick of it. I loved, and I'd always been drawn to, to food. I'd grown up around um, a lot of really great cooks, and um, I'd always loved being in the kitchen and creating. And um, so once I kind of discovered that I could photograph those things and be around um, these like-minded people and kind of learn from them and observe and get to know the chef culture here in Fort Worth, there's a great group of, of men and women in the, in the industry here in Fort Worth. I was kind of sucked into it. When did the idea for Melt uh, start entering your mind? I um, got to a place in my wedding photography career where I knew I wasn't going to do it forever and um, just was feeling really unsettled. And my husband had a really great job and um, just kind of gave me the freedom just kind of if I didn't want to work anymore, I didn't have to. I could take some time and figure it out. And so I wrote more than one business plan and um, spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And I kept getting drawn back to the food industry and um, the stories that I had told through the food um, publications that I'd been a part of. And um, I really, really believe that Texas is one of the hottest places on earth and (laughs) not having um, a craft or local ice cream shop accessible in Fort Worth um, just kind of stood out to us and um, while those weren't my thoughts right away was to create a brick and mortar store I I think I thought more a little smaller I thought um, well if I can create an ice cream brand and cater events then I could start there and I could start really small um, so that's where the kind of the thoughts kind of started. What, were there any crazy business ideas that you had? Yeah, I was interested in that. Yeah. What, what was, before you settled on ice Y'all are going to embarrass me. Um, well, I went to school for studio art, so I spent a lot of time during that period, um, painting and, um, kind of exploring the art world. And if I wanted to immerse myself more in that, um, and I, I wrote, um, I wrote a business plan around, um, an online art gallery. Um, I wrote a business plan around a, um, I was calling it the happy bag, um, where you could buy happy things. And I think that pl- obviously played into the creation of melt. Um, and then when, when I settled on melt, like it was, I knew it was right just felt right it felt right and then it was um, in the middle of summer you were sweating it actually was in the middle of the summer and I was sweating we um my husband rented me a car because I had a really old car and I drew this map and I took off and I drove around the country visiting ice cream shops and that was kind of the next step 
Um, and I would, anybody working behind a counter, I would interview and ask them why they liked working at an ice cream shop and, um, if they were willing to if, introduce me to their owners or their managers, I would, I would just ask them any questions that they were available to talk to. And from that other, they introduced me to other ice cream shop owners. And, um, there was a bit of a snowball effect right there, but, um, it hit a hard wall when it came to actually learning how to make ice cream. Talk about the process of starting. You've touched on it briefly, but what are some of the things you needed to do before actually selling your first ice cream? Yeah, I think it's hard to have the confidence to go after something so um, big and huge. And when you think about um, a brick and mortar store, like that was too big for me to think about. So, I had to take things and think about them really, really small and really, really tiny and think if I can just get to a place where I can sell ice cream and what does that look like and create micro goals. So for me, just starting was um, figuring out the smallest steps before, I mean, having that goal, but figuring out the really small, tangible steps that I could do each day. What can you give us a few of those steps? Like what, what, how did you break it down? Yeah, absolutely. So I knew I needed to make a business plan. Um, and being on more of the creative side, I didn't have a lot of experience, um, in, in the numbers side. So my husband gave me a stack of his econ books from college and, um, I started reading as much as I could, um, about business books and I wanted a a good base knowledge, um, to know what I was going into, um, and understand, the impact financially of, of creating a business. Um, so that was one of the things. Um, and another thing was learning the craft. Um, I didn't know how to make ice cream on a commercial level. I made it at home quite often. Um, but making it for the public was a different story. So, um, I actually went and apprenticed with some ice cream makers up North and, um, spent a lot of time in Ohio, um, with, this couple and they have a amazing ice cream shop called Mason's Creamery. Um, were there like online forums you looked at? Oh, absolutely. I, and honestly, I contacted people in Canada and California and New York and, um, I had so many doors closed on me saying I, that they wouldn't let me apprentice for, with them or learn from them or, and people are pretty t- tight with their secrets on ice cream, um, which totally makes sense. But, um, I was so desperate to learn the craft. Um, so I, the couple that I actually went apprenticed for in Ohio, I found on a weird little ice cream forum. So you did all the work and then you were given the keys to the, the Rosedale location in January of 2014. Is that right? And there were some hurdles to getting started. This is the, uh, the moment it's all about to happen but you had a couple of issues to work through. Can you talk yeah, about that? Absolutely. Um, I think I was under the impression that if I could get a loan to buy a house, that I could get a loan for anything, uh, which is a very naive and ignorant thing to say and think. Um, so I had this, what I thought was an ironclad business plan. My husband is a financial analytics guy and worked in um, corporate finance and had put together these beautiful numbers and these beautiful spreadsheets. And we had this like 40 to 60 page, uh, business plan telling how we were going to accomplish our dreams. And 
we went to um, a handful of banks and and got a pretty hard and fast no, we aren't going to lend you money. Um, and we had already, I had already signed the lease and gotten quotes on how much it was going to cost and, um, really had to kind of go back to the drawing board and, and figure out like, how are we going to make this work practically this, this one shop, this little place, how are we going to make it work? Did they tell you why you were being denied? Um, I mean, banks are in the their job is to manage risk and, um, a food, the food industry and somebody with zero experience in the food industry is extremely high risk. And so, but it, was it in the middle of summer? Oh, that was in January. So they were feeling cool. It was like, over the course of a few months that, yeah. that, 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 that took place. I mean, we didn't go to just one, but you get a lot of no's you just figure it out. And I think having, um, the capacity to stay the course and figure something out is, is one of the skills that it takes to be an entrepreneur and kind of fight through the hard things. Is that a skill you developed or during that process? Or is there something else that gave you that ability to work through the nose? And I think different things in my life contributed to it, but I definitely think in the last four or five years of being in business, um, I've developed those skills a lot more. I think you have to. I mean, you, you kind of... Um, I remember a gentleman, um, who owns a restaurant in Dallas came in my ice cream shop. Um, the, probably the second week we were open and I probably looked incredibly sad and tired and haggard. Um, I was happy that we had it open, but it was just, it's, it's a lot of work. And he said to me, you know, if somebody knew how much it took to run a food business, they would never do it. He said, you, you sign up for it with a naivety that, um, and excitement. And I think that still holds true. I mean, a lot of things in life that are hard, if you knew how hard they were going to be, you wouldn't choose to walk down that road, but you're a better person for them and they make you stronger. And then you come out the other side and you, you know how to do things differently. So Melt opened its doors on Rosedale, uh, was it April of 2014? Yeah. Was it an instant success or how did word start spreading about Melt? It was an instant success to me because people <laughs> showed up. Um, we were really lucky and we got a lot of press um, leading up to it. Um, and so when we opened our doors, there was a line um, out the door and the community, I think just really rallied around us because they were excited to have a local ice cream shop. Um, we didn't really know what we were doing and they had a lot of grace for us as we messed things up many, many, many times. Um, but I think we've gotten a little bit better over the years. So you were successful for Rosedale, but then things had to change. You're in a different location now than when you started. Um, that's on Magnolia, and it's known for all of its interesting shops. So it fits you perfectly, but how did you end up moving from Rosedale to Magnolia? So um, pretty quickly after we opened our shop, we grew um, out of our kitchen. And so we knew we needed a bigger place to produce ice cream, a bigger kitchen, um, more freezers. Um, and so we had been on the hunt for quite quite some time and and got approached by um, a great group of people that were had bought a building and um, thought it would be a better position for us to be on Magnolia than on Rosedale. On Rosedale, it's kind of a no man's land, even though it's only one street over. Um, it runs parallel with Magnolia. 
Um, but on Magnolia, it is the street where all the mom and pop restaurants are, the local coffee shops, local bars, and people are walking up and down the street. And so it was a pretty significant move, um, a pretty costly move for us. Um, but ultimately, um, my husband had to convince me. I thought, you know, it's crazy that you would pick up and move your flagship location after one, two years. Um, but we decided that was what was best for the business. And after he convinced me, I, I, I went over to his side and, and it was the best thing that ever happened to us. Did you consider other locations apart from Magnolia? No, the near south side is family. The near south side is home. Um, so we knew we wouldn't, wouldn't leave the near south side. What effect did that have on, on Melt, uh, moving from Rosedale to... It just made our shop a, a lot more accessible. It gave us... We, we were able to build a bigger kitchen and um, a bigger free, freezer to store more ice cream. Um, and it made our shop a lot more accessible. So um, we had five parking spots on the, at the Rosedale location that we shared with another business. Um, and so it was quite a challenge just to get there and park and get inside. And so uh, Magnolia, I'm sure, has its parking challenges, but you can park in one place and walk to you know five different businesses. And so it just made us a lot more accessible. So the menu is very important, especially for an ice cream shop, because that's everything. How do you decide what flavors to make? What goes on the menu? Yeah, so that's actually a great question. Um, we have a very small menu. Um, we did not want somebody to walk in our shop and be overwhelmed by choices. So we wanted to have the very best flavors. Um, and so we have a selection of always flavors, um, and those are more of the classics, vanilla, chocolate, um, salted caramel, a dairy-free flavor, dark chocolate, coconut milk, and then a coffee flavor. And then we have four rotating flavors, and we call those our sometimes flavors. And those flavors change every six weeks um, so that we get to experiment and try new things and bring in different things with the seasons and work with different farmers based on what's in season locally. Um, and it, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, our customers will try one thing and then they'll want to come back before those flavors roll off so that they can try another, another ice cream flavor. How, how long does it take for a flavor to, from concept to making it on the menu? So we concept out, um, typically 12 months in advance. Um, we, we plan everything, but then we are constantly testing our flavors, um, and sometimes the testing portion goes through three or four iterations before it's um, the quality we want to put on our menu. You, you've done several collaborations with local businesses. What, what are some of your favorites that have ended up on the menu? I love doing stuff with Funky Town Donuts. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, they just have a really... they're. They have really amazing donuts, um, but then they also, um, it's just fun. Ice cream and donuts are just really fun. Um, Swiss pastry shop, everybody goes bananas for their um, Black Forest cake. And so anytime we partner with them, people just go nuts. Um, you did a te Texas whiskey 
uh, one too. Yes. Yeah. I Texas TX whiskey is so good. Um, it's not the cheapest ice cream to make, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really tasty. And, and a lot of the local breweries, I mean, um, a few weeks ago, last week we, we partnered with Martin house and we made, um, their new true love beer into a sorbet and we took it to their launch of, of one of their beers and just gave out s- samples of sorbet. You've been growing. I'm assuming like, it seems like you guys are doing great at melt, having a good time. Um, but it looks like you're about to grow. Has this always been a part of the plan? No. I mean, I'm, originally it was, um, let's get one shop open. And I, I mean, honestly, my dream was to open a shop and close from like Christmas to Valentine's or spring break. <laughs> and I just, in my head, I thought that would work. And um, the first year of business, it was like, there's no way we're closing this shop. Like, where would my employees go? But when I dreamed this thing up, I didn't, I didn't think that much about employees. I just thought I would have this romantic little ice cream shop. Um, so we never really thought, um, about the potential of growth. Um, but after developing, um, the business and seeing the impact it's made on people and, and our goal is to create the best five minutes of of somebody's day and, and seeing that um, some people don't come because of the line, um, really tells us that we need another, another location. And so we are growing, we built a production kitchen in the last few months that can support us opening, um, multiple locations. So, um, our second location will be in the Bishop Arts District in Oak Cliff. Um, and then who knows after that? With the uh, growth come new opportunities and Sometimes they involve risk. Um, you recently moved into your production kitchen uh, in the historic Obi Macaroni building, which is a huge step for Melt Ice Creams. Ultimately, what drives you to keep going and growing your business? I think it's believing in what we're doing. Uh, we don't have investors or outside funding, and we, I think if we didn't believe in it with everything in us, then, um, that risk would feel a lot heavier than it is. Um, but I think knowing that we have this great team that cares about what we're doing and we, that the, the consumer, our patrons really love us and love our product, then it really fuels us to want to continue to make the best experience possible and the best ice cream possible. And, um, part of doing that is having more locations for them. So you have a, a, a bigger freezer now. You can produce much more. You have, I think as at the point we'll uh, launch this episode, I think you'll be open, hopefully, or you'll In have announced process. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you, you'll have a new location. You'll have a bigger freezer. Five to ten years from now, where do you see Melt being? Um, I would love in five to ten years to have a handful of really great ice cream shops that are really dearly loved by their community. I think ice cream is so special in that you create these memories as, as kids there. Um, but then you also create memories in ice cream shops as an adult. It's something that you can get behind if you're eight or if you're 80. And, um, so I, my goal would be that in, in the next five to 10 years that we have a handful of ice cream shops that are really dearly loved by by the communities that they're in. Do you have a method for choosing? So I know the first one, you you spent a lot of time in Fairmount. The first location made a lot of sense because you were part of that community. 
Um, but you've, you have the one spot in Dallas you're going for. Do you have a method for where and how you're going to plant new shops? Yeah. So we, we know that the type of customer that comes to Mel, we can look at those demographics and, um, and know, we know that we don't have a lot to go off of, but we know what's worked for us here in Fort Worth. And so Bishop Arts was as a community that's a lot, really similar to the near South side in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of locally owned businesses and, and business owners that we've gotten to know over the years that really care um, and um, a really great community surrounding those local businesses. So Bishop being the next step was um, just a really easy kind of fit for us because the community is so similar um, in regards to the, the, the way that it feels and the atmosphere as the near South side. Uh, so I think before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit more about you because you, you run melts. You, it's a great business. People love it, but you are also very interesting and different. I think than most of us, uh, tell us about your Is that side another hobby. way for saying I'm weird? <laughs> <laughs> a, a nice way of saying it. Yeah, a nice way. I'll take it. <clears throat> yeah. So I am an ultra runner. I didn't start, um, I, I played soccer in college and I ran, um, I ran a, a marathon right when I graduated college in my young twenties. Um, and just kind of ran on and off, but not really far or anything like that. Um, until recently. And, um, when I started Mel, I tried to run three or four half marathons a year just to stay in shape. Um, so that's 13.2 miles. That's a pretty easy thing to train for. It's not a lot of time. It's running, you know, four to six miles a few days a week and maybe a eight to 10 mile run on the weekend. Um, and then this past summer, my, um, somebody I was running with mentioned uh, running a marathon. And I said, no, I'll never run another marathon. It's too much time. It's way too much time. I don't have time for that. I run a business. I'm too busy. And um, I was like, well, I kind of need to lose a few pounds. So maybe, maybe I should sign up for this marathon. It'll, it'll, it'll help me. So I signed up for that marathon and, um, and was looking for people to train with. And there's a gentleman in my neighborhood, um, Jake Richter, who um, was also um, training. And so um, I would run with him and another and other other runners in our neighborhood. It was just easy to meet people in the middle of Fairmount and run. And um, he all talked a lot about trail running. Uh, I didn't know a lot about trail running. It was a, a new to me. Um, not a sport I was very familiar with, um, and not really a sport I knew that you could actually have access to in Fort Worth. Um, so there are the Trinity trails, but that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about trail running, I'm talking about a technical, um, out in the woods kind of course. So where you would hike or mountain bike, um, unpaved, um, course. And so he talked a lot about trail running and, um, I, thought, well, I'm training for this marathon. I should just train for a trail race too. And so I signed up for the same race that he was signed up for, not really knowing much about it. Um, and it was a hundred K, which is 62 oh. miles. <laughs> yeah. And so when I finished that marathon, I was not in super great shape. I'm not proud of the time. 
and I cried and um, looked at my husband and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I signed up for a hundred K and he was like, we, well, let's not worry about it just yet. And, and so that was December and I uh, hired a running coach immediately after. And uh, I have been running um, for the last seven months training. And before I ran that 100K, I put my name in the hat for a race that was kind of a dream bucket list race um, called the Leadville 100, which is a 100-mile mountain race at, uh, that starts at over 10,000 feet in Colorado. And that is in four weeks um, and so I've just continued to train since, since that marathon last December. What does that training look like for you? Do you talk about like a typical week in, in training up for that race. Um, so I get a, a training plan from, from my coach that has the mileage on there or the times. And so, um, I'm typically running five to six days a week, um, anywhere between, 10 and 15 miles a day Um, and then on the weekends are long runs so our long runs would be um, between 22 miles and 26 27 miles depending on the day and then um, possibly getting up the next morning and adding another 10 to 15 or 20 miles onto that Uh, depending on where I am in the training cycle so it's an average of you know, either the 50 miles a week or 85 miles a week, depending on where I am in the training cycle. Yeah. So not weird, just different. Intense. It's a little intense, (laughs) (laughs) but I have a goal that I'm working towards and I'm, I'm really excited for that. So, yeah. And I think we, when we spoke before you had an important lesson, I think you learned from this or that this reinforced for you? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had a friend ask me a few weeks ago, you know, what do you think you've learned? Cause it's taken a significant amount of my time. I get up at 4am and I run for two hours. Um, and on the weekends, sometimes I get up at 2am and we'll run for, you know, six to eight hours. And so it's a significant amount of time and your, your life changes a little bit. Um, you, you, only make time for the things that are in- incredibly important and you have to squeeze in time in other places. And, um, my friend asked me what I had learned and I really feel like the biggest thing that I've learned in the last seven months is that you really can, uh, make time for anything that you, you really are passionate about or create a goal around, um, and still function as a human being. Um, I still work a full-time job and, um, I would say owning a business is more than a full-time job. So, I still do all those things. Would you say, in a weird way, running has has helped you as a business owner? Absolutely. I, I, I kind of call it my therapy. So it's a, and for me, it's a mental release. It's a time to kind of clear my head and think straight. And I get a lot of ideas um, for the business when I'm running and I'm able to think through problems and obstacles. And I definitely think it's made me um, a, a better business owner, but a better person just in general. You, you go through a lot of emotions when you're running um, extreme distances. I mean, when you're running over 60 miles in a day, you you go through these highs and lows, and you have to figure out how to um, mentally motivate yourself to finish something that you've started. Um, and so I think you learn a lot through that journey about yourself, um, and those things can translate into the business world as well.
Since recording our episode, Carrie ran the Leadville Ultramarathon and finished with a time of 29 hours, 52 minutes, and 58 seconds, and was one of only a handful of runners from DFW to finish the race. If you want to stay up to date on what Melt Ice Creams is up to and new flavors on their menu, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Melt Ice Creams or online at MeltIceCreams.com. Thank you.